Tonight my title is Ever Hopeful. The Bible says in Romans fifteen thirteen, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. My sister has a little pet, Dachshund. And he is spoiled rotten. And so he's always optimistic and anticipating that you're going to feed him and you're going to play with him. You're going to give him a treat. And when somebody new pulls up, he just knows you're going to give him a treat and play with him. And I was teasing her about this dog. I said, he is ever hopeful. That's the most optimistic animal I've ever seen in my life. And it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not the big dog person, so I'm not the one to play with him or whatever. But he comes up to me anyway. I don't care. I love you anyway, you know. I'm ever hopeful. And I was thinking about that. I mean, this little dog is filled with such an optimism all the time. He's expecting something good to happen. Oh my goodness. You know? Remember Oral Roberts used to preach that? Something good is going to happen to you? Well, that little dog never heard of Oral Roberts, but he got that message down. And you know, and I felt like that, you know, there's a lot of things that we can learn from that, of to be ever hopeful ourselves. And that scripture, you know, God is wanting to fill us. He's the God of hope. And he wants to fill us with hope. And we live in a time where a lot of people kind of lost hope. And we had a kind of a theme come up earlier tonight talking about hope for a bit. And I thought, oh God, I love it when you put things together. So I want us to look over at Joshua chapter 6. I want to talk to you for a little bit tonight about the leadership that Joshua displayed. You know, Joshua took over the leadership of Israel after Moses had died. And he was charged to take the Israelites and to bring them across the River Jordan and into the Promised Land. You know, they had been promised for a long time that they were going to have their own country, their own land. And so Joshua uh, was the one who was given the charge from the Lord to bring them in. And so the first city, once they crossed the Jordan and they got in, the first city that they were to take was Jericho. And Jericho was a walled city. It had a huge wall all the way around it. And let's look at verse 1, Joshua 6. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight ahead. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward, and march around the city, and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so, that when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward and blew the trumpets, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, 
nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, shout, then you shall shout. Now, what's really interesting to me when I was reading this, because I've read this story many times. I'm sure you have, too. It's you know, quite familiar. But I was noticing how that Joshua exercised a little bit of um, <coughs> embellishing the command that the Lord had given him. And if you look specifically, what did the Lord tell him? Back in verse 3. March around the city, all the men of war circled the city. Well, Joshua took everybody, all the people, not just the men of war. He said, the Lord said, you're going to do this for six days, and the seven priests are going to, to blow, you know, have the, the um, ark and the, the ram's horn. But Joshua said, well, first of all, we're going to send the priests and the ark around first on a preliminary excursion. God didn't tell him to do that, but he did. And then the most important thing that Joshua did, that God did not tell him to do, look here, in verse 10, you're not going to talk. You're not going to shout. I don't want you making any noise. God did not tell them to walk around in silence, but Joshua did. You ever wonder why Joshua did? If you think about that for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Joshua is the oldest guy there, right? He remembered... 40 years. And he says, guys, let me tell you what happened 40 years ago. 40 years ago, Moses sent spies into the land. Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report and said what? We are able. We can take it. Let's go for it. The ten spies said, it's going to be too hard. It's gonna, we're going to die doing this. It's dangerous. We can't do it. And they discouraged all the people. The people lost hope, got discouraged, and began to bellyache and complain and grumble. And God was so angry with them, he says, not a one of those people are getting in. But their kids, I'll bring in. Joshua has been waiting 40 years, y'all, for the last one to die so he could get in. I mean, don't you know that's what he's doing every day? Okay. Uh, okay, finally going to make some progress here. Okay, just got a few of y'all left. All right, I'm going to get to get in that promised land. <laughs> because he's waiting because God says, you're not going until they're dead. So, 40 years that he was delayed from receiving his inheritance because of those people. You know, that sometimes other people's behavior affects us. And we have to deal with consequences sometimes, don't we? Of what other people... But you know what? God was faithful to Joshua. And God will be faithful to you. Even if you are having to pay because of somebody else's mistake or wrongdoing, God will be faithful to you. Remember what Joseph said? What the enemy, what his brothers, he says, what you meant for destruction, God turned it for my good. What the enemy meant for your, your, your bad, God will turn it for your good. Because he is faithful. So here we've got Joshua has been watching for 40 years. Longer than that. He's watched belly aching, complaining, rebellion, mutiny. <laughs> I mean, wandering around. I mean, eating manna for years and years and years, except for that time with the quail that didn't work out real good. You know, I mean, but he's, he has experienced a lot of hardship and a lot of difficulty over 40 years. So here is his chance. He has been commissioned and commanded by the Lord. Okay, take the people. Cross the Jordan. Circumcise them afresh. And let's go in and take your land. Let's go for it. Be strong and courageous, God tells Joshua. He says, 
Okay, we're going to do that. But I'm getting in this time. So you guys are not going to talk. Now let's think about it. What does Joshua know? He knows that to walk around the city, after a while, somebody's going to get tired. Somebody, why do we have to do this? I don't feel like this no more. What do you think is going to happen that last day? It was once a day for six days. Walk around a city seven times. That's a lot of walking. That's a lot of walking. And Joshua's like, I don't want to hear your lip. Because I'm going in this time. <laughs> so you guys just be quiet. You know, we didn't need to have the negativity come from the people. But we also didn't need to have the fear. Because walking around Jericho, that's a big wall. There's a, there's a lot of people in there. I don't know, is this a good idea? <laughs> Are we going to be okay? See, he didn't need to have that fear going through the crowd. And he didn't need to have the negativity. What does James tell us about the tongue? He says, the tongue is like a fire. He did not need to have those words spreading like wildfire the way they had 40 years ago. When everybody was excited to go in, except the ten spies had discouraged them and made everybody afraid of going in. He's like, we're not doing it this time. Good for Joshua. Good for him. I mean, if it hadn't worked, I don't know what the story would have turned out, but I tell you what, Joshua was getting in. No matter anybody else did or not, because he was faithful, and he believed God, and he had God's promise. So, not only is it to make sure that they had the victory over Jericho, but Joshua needs to guard the people's hope. Because they're excited. They've heard about leaving Egypt. They've spent all these years in the wilderness eating manna. They've heard about the promised land, the promises of God. They're excited about, oh, we're finally going to get a place where we can call home. A place where we don't have to be nomads any longer. And the people needed to have their hope preserved. They did not need to get discouraged in any battle. They did not get discouraged at what it might look like if it was taken a while. And because marching around a city does not seem to be a really good military strategy, you know, he didn't need to have a lot of people second-guessing what God had said. And he wanted to make sure that they had the assurance of victory. So that's how come he's like, nobody talk. Just keep it quiet. Somebody several years ago wrote a song called Shut Up and March. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think that would be really good. Because uh, I've noticed some people are real quick to complain, real quick to give in to fear. And let me tell you something. You can talk yourself into or out of anything. You can talk yourself into it. You know what? Say you might be feeling a little bit challenged, a little bit stretched. You can pump yourself up by, by the words that you speak. You can also turn yourself sour on a situation by the words that you speak. That's why the Bible is so, so strong about to guard the words of your mouth and to guard the things that you think. Because you can, you can set the course for your life. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to be artificial. You don't want to be artificial. We all face hard things, painful things, challenging things. We suffer sometimes. We do. But the thing is, we're not giving glory to the enemy for the suffering. We're saying, my God is able. We are able. We can overcome. What was meant for my destruction will turn for my good. I'll cry, get, you know, get my feelings out, and then I'm going to pick myself back up and say, I will again praise you. I will again hope in God. Amen? Amen. 
We're going to hold on, folks. You know, we're going to hold on and preserve our hope. The word encourage means to give hope, confidence, or courage. So, you can encourage yourself. You can give yourself courage. You can give yourself hope. Give yourself confidence. So many times we're waiting for somebody else. I need to go to church and get me a word that will encourage me. Folks, sometimes you have to learn to encourage yourself. David did that. David encouraged himself in the Lord before he met Goliath. Remember what he said? He said, I have fought a lion and a bear. I have killed him with my own bare hands. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Well, I'll tell you what. That's pretty tough to you know, kill a lion, kill a bear. That's, that's pretty tough. It shows a lot of boldness, does it? But David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, speaking of Goliath? Because he says, in effect, I have a covenant with Almighty God, and you don't. And here it is, you are mocking the army of God, and you are mocking the name of the Lord. You are dead meat. I have a covenant, and you don't. See, and David leaned upon the covenant that he had. So that's how he was successful. The other time, what happened when David and his mighty men um, had gone out to uh, battle, they came home and found out their camp had been raided at Ziglag. Their city had been burned. Their, their wives and children had been taken away in captivity, and all their goods had been plundered. And they were so upset. They were so angry. They were so distressed because of the situation. And they were ready to stone David. It's your fault. You got us in this trouble. If we hadn't obeyed you and we hadn't gone off, I'd still have my wife and kids here. Understandably upset. Understandably. But what does the Bible say? It says David encouraged himself. Because nobody else was going to do it. You see, folks, sometimes you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. There are sometimes God will deliberately bring you into a season of winter, a season of barrenness, a season where you learn to put your roots down deep in God and pull up what you need from Him. Because sometimes, I mean, we need other people. We do. But there are times other people are not going to be there for you. They may be they might be there physically for you, but they're not there spiritually for you. They're not emotionally there. I mean, sometimes they've just got their own stuff, and they're not. So we can't wait for somebody else all the time. I mean, praise God. Thank God everybody's not in the dumps at the same time. <laughs> praise God, you know. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. It's like, I'm encouraged when I hear, like, the good reports tonight, or y'all were sharing about the breakthroughs that you had, the good things. You know, that encourages everybody else who needs one. Everybody else is going, oh, good, mine's on its way. Mine's coming. See, God is at work. He is moving. He is involved in people's lives. And He's no respecter person, so He's going to come through for me too. Hallelujah. Years ago, I used to have this, this uh, couple in church, and, and they had started business, and they were becoming quite prosperous and doing well. But they wanted to hide their prosperity from the church. They you know, didn't want anybody to know and told the kids, don't, don't talk about the new car, don't talk about the trip, don't talk about the... And I thought, you know, I understood where they were coming from, not wanting people to feel envious or something. But the truth is, that could really encourage somebody. If somebody is seeing the blessing. You know, somebody is. I mean, God's at work. Hallelujah. So I love to hear, let's hear the praise report. If you're still struggling with a relationship, but you hear that God has healed somebody else's relationship, praise God. Gives you hope, right? You need a job, you hear somebody just got a job. Gives you hope. Praise God.
Paul um, had also commanded in Titus 1.11, you know, there was a few times Paul had to deal with people who were running the mouth in the church. And he told, he commanded, he told Titus, there are some people, some unruly talkers, who must be silenced. Why? He says, because they are upsetting whole families. There are some people who delight in nothing more than to tearing down hope, tearing down your dream, and telling you how bad everything is. And what happens is, they find themselves just like the ten spies. They discourage people from moving forward. We want to give hope and give courage to people to move forward. Let them possess their promised land and not be afraid it's too hard, it's too much work, it's too difficult. You know what? God can do anything. You and God make a majority, right? You and God make a majority. He is the God of miracles. Hallelujah. But there are some people, they need to stop. And you know what, folks? There are some, there are some people that maybe you need to stop listening to. Because they're negative all the time. They complain all the time. Joshua saw what complaining got you. In the, in the book of Exodus and in Numbers, I mean, complaining got people in big trouble with God. You know, Because it does. It spreads like wildfire. Have you ever had that situation in a family reunion or at, at, uh, at work? One person starts in. And what happened? It just it spreads. And I've seen people who are normally pretty optimistic and positive can get swept up in that. And next thing you know, they're complaining too. You know what, folks? We need to maybe separate ourselves from some of that negativity. I heard Gloria Copeland say years ago she wanted to get a ball cap have printed right on the, on the lid. Uh, no dumping here. <laughs> you know, I don't want to hear all that stuff. You know, uh, I think sometimes we just need to do like Joshua commanded and shut up and march. Just shut up and march, you know. Everybody doesn't need to know if you're uncomfortable, if you're feeling, you know, but everybody doesn't need to hear about it. Get somebody who will pray with you in faith and believe God. But let's not get somebody who's just going to get down the dumps with you. That doesn't even sound pleasant, does it? Jeremiah 29.11 is one of my favorite verses. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. God has good plans for your future, good plans to give you hope. So what, if right now you're waiting for it, I'm waiting for the future, God. I'm waiting for some things to manifest. This is the place to show the march. This is the place to stand in and preserve our hope. For He is faithful who has promised. He is faithful who has promised. It may not work out the way you thought it would in the timing that you thought it would, but God will show Himself faithful and strong to those who look to Him, right? He's just looking for faith, looking for somebody to hold on. He is the God of all hope. We're in a season where, I mean, we actually have a president who ran his campaign on the idea of hope. And right now, there are a lot of people who are discouraged who could use a lot of hope right now. There are people who have faced all kinds of situations, things that, are, that don't look very optimistic, don't look like they're going to turn out really well. But God is looking for somebody who is going to be a voice of hope. I read an interesting quote by Napoleon Bonaparte. He said, a leader is a dealer in hope. A leader is a dealer in hope. Isn't that a great quote? And surprising who said it, isn't it? Napoleon, really? Yeah. A leader is a dealer in hope. 
You see, when people come to us as leaders, as Christians, as bosses, as parents, as whatever, when they come to us, people that we have influence with, our task is to give them hope. It's to give them hope based upon the Word of God, based upon the character of God. Let's give them hope. Some people are really easily discouraged. I, I get amazed sometimes at how quickly some people quit. How quickly they give up. It amazes me sometimes. I was thinking, really? That's all it took. All it took. And I really believe that when people are easily discouraged, it's because of either two reasons. One, because they're immature. How do you know that a small child gets discouraged easy? You know, the first time they can't ride the bike, the first time they can't do something perfect, they get discouraged. It's immaturity because they have not yet learned about perseverance, about picking up and trying again. Right? I believe the second reason why people are, immature, are, are easily discouraged is a character flaw. It's a character flaw. Because if you are grown up, you've lived through enough things to see that there's no reason to give up early. That lots of things we just have to plow through. There are some enemies you just have to outlive. <laughs> you know, some things you have to plow through. And I've watched people, they want to bail. You know, the first time they have a disagreement, they want to split up and get a divorce. The first time the pastor doesn't smile at church, I'm never coming back. I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a temper tantrum. I will pick up my toys and go home. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. And I, I get surprised sometimes at how very quickly that people will just quit and bail. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to learn to persevere. You're going to have to learn to plow through some things. Because, you know, we all want to be victorious, right? You've got to go through battles. They don't call you victor unless you've won something. Who gets the big heavyweight wrestling champ? The big belt. Who gets that? The guy that got in the ring and proved himself a better combatant. That's who gets it. It's to him who overcomes, Jesus said. To him who overcomes. So that means we've all got some things to overcome. Praise God. That means we're learning. That means we're growing. That means God is trusting you with something. What happens every time you overcome? What does that do for you? Oh, man, it builds your confidence, doesn't it? It builds your faith. It builds your faith. I got this thing now. All right. You feel so strong. You feel empowered every time that you overcome, that you win. Well, God is after you becoming an empowered Christian. So he has set up, he's given some dreams, some visions, some hopes, some promises. And he says, come on, come on. Walk through what you got to walk through. Go through, overcome what you got to, but come on. Because I have a plan for you. Plans for your welfare. Plans for your well-being. To give you a hope and a future. Hallelujah. Some people are also easily discouraged because they're, they remind me of the parable that Jesus told about the, the sower sows the seed. And remember that he sowed some seed that fell upon the rocky ground. And what happened to that seed was because it had no depth, the seed went down pop right back up, and when the sun came out, the plant withered. It withered. Because it had no depth. There was nothing into it. It popped up real quick. And to me, that's that picture of that immaturity. That's that picture of character flaw. You know, if we give up quickly, it means we have no depth. It means we're shallow. 
kind of a strong word, isn't it? Not necessarily. <laughs> oh, my God. I was in prayer last night telling God how shallow I was. Well, oh good, my God. good for you. You are overcoming. You know, half the problem is, is seeing it, right? It's seeing it so you can overcome it. You know, there's a place in Jeremiah where it says, if you have run with the footmen and they have tired you out, how will you compete with the horses? How are you going to run with the horses? And that's it. You look at, what does it take? If you can't get through some of the most basic things, how are you going to handle a real struggle, a real challenge? You know, you know, we're we're men and women of the word. I mean, we're we're people who love God, believe in miracles, and it's like let's get some let's get some victories, let's get some things won, some victories overcome. You know, and then you get to have some more new levels, new devils, right? Well, you win. Let's face it. You you go play you go play a um, a video game of some type, and you win at level one. What's your reward? Level two, right? And level two is a little tougher than level one. It's the same thing, you know. It's it's. I fought the lion and the bear. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Same type of thing. So the battles that you have won, praise God, they have they have been preparing you. For the current and the future ones that you have in front of you. And you are well able. Have the spirit of Joshua. I am well able. I can take it. I can deal with this. Hallelujah. Some people don't have the heart of a champion. Some people only run when it's convenient. I'll run when it, you know, it's my day off. When I feel like it. The weather's nice. Doesn't cost me too much. You know. You know whether it's spiritually run or run outside. I'd... It's, some people just don't have the heart in them to do it if it's going to be a challenge. I've seen people walk away from Christianity the first time they had a little bit of a challenge to walk through. I'm like, what are you, a hothouse flower? I mean, you can't handle anything? You're not going to get very far, right? You're not going to get very far. But leaders, leaders, you persevere when other people quit. I only know that you're still standing when everybody else has quit and gone home. <coughs> You're still there. I was at a um, a meeting several weeks ago, and it was a, a lot of people were coming together to do some prophetic ministry, and and so um, I had been asked to have a part in in helping with that. And so, at the end of the meeting, I was also being asked to prophesy over some from the people who had worked in the meeting. And so, consequently, by the time we got through this, I was the one of the last two people that walked out of the building. And the coordinator of the event said, I saw that. I saw that you were last to leave. He said, I appreciate that heart. He said, so many of them left as soon as their part was done, that they wouldn't stick it out for the rest of the ministry. And I said, hey, it's all those years of pastoring. It's all those years of, you know, sticking out and being responsible and making sure everything's taken care of and, you know, persevering. We persevere because we're leaders. That's why we don't quit. They can quit. They can go home. We stay until the job's done. Till it's time. We get it done. Hallelujah. Maturity requires working through challenges. You know, using the wisdom and the lessons of the past. Working through. Not just expecting everything to be easy. When it is, great. Praise God. But if it's not... We're still going to win. We're still going to overcome. I want to encourage you tonight that somewhere you are a leader. You may be a leader in your family, a leader in your job, 
a leader in your circle of friends, a leader in ministry, wherever, someplace, you are a leader. John Maxwell says that leadership is influence. Who is it that you influence? Who do you carry weight with? Who looks to you for an opinion? Who looks to you for wisdom, for something you know, they look to you to receive? That is leadership. I encourage you to rise up in your leadership and become a dealer in hope. Don't always have to be the one to get prayer. Don't always have to be the one to get a word. And we'll do that. But don't always be the one that has to get that. You know? Sometimes I've seen in ministry, the same people are in the same prayer line every single Sunday. For years. I was like, folks, at some point, you need to get it and go. <laughs> at some point, you need to learn to start praying for other people. Instead of always having to be prayed for. You know? That's always been my goal, is to raise people who could stand on their own two feet spiritually. I mean, I love to receive ministry, but I can, I can draw up what I need from God, and I can minister to others, you know? And I'm willing to receive, and I'd receive from, you know, time to time, various places. But it's like the people who serve in ministry, many times they're not getting the ministry, you know? It's like you've been, you've been prophesying, for weeks and weeks and months, and then you realize, I haven't received a prophecy in a year. You know, because you've been giving and giving and doing it. And it's a blessing. But that's just part of, that's part of what it is all about, you know. When you need it, you go for it, you get it, you ask for it. But you also are learning to where, I don't have to live by prophecy. I don't have to live by your prayer for me. I can have my own relationship with God. You understand what I'm saying? We do need each other. We do. And we are for one another. But primarily our relationship is with Him. Right. That's where it is. Someplace, formally or informally, you are called to be a dealer of hope. There are some people that you will probably see tomorrow, the next day, who really could use some compassion, who really could use an encouragement from God. It could use somebody to give them some comp some confidence that you believe in them. You believe they can overcome. I believe you're going to be all right. I, you know, I believe you, you've got what it takes. You know, some of the most powerful things that have ever been spoken to me have not been prophetic words. They've been words of encouragement. One time, I was at a place many years ago. I desperately needed a breakthrough in the prophetic. And, and I have put myself in a situation to where they were going to press and push and work on me until I got my breakthrough. You know, I deliberately submitted to that because I had to have some mindsets, had to break. I just, I just had to get these things broken and move forward. And I put myself in, a, in, in this environment, and it was challenging for me. My knees were knocking, sweat running down my back, and the devil telling me, you just need to go home. This is not for you. You just need to go home. You are out of your league. You know, it was tough. It was tough warfare, all that going on. And there was somebody there who just said, you got the goods. You could do this. And every day I saw him, he said, I'm with you. You got it. You can do it. Every day. I'm telling you, it just walking by was like a shot in the arm. There's somebody here who believes in me. Somebody here thinks I can do this. Hallelujah. Well, praise God, I got breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> Getting my breakthrough was great. You know, I was able to help some of you guys get some breakthrough. That's right. You know? Yeah. And isn't that what happens? Mm -hmm. We get ours, and we're able to encourage somebody else so they can get theirs too. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, encourage you too. You know, 
look, you know, if we can let people see where we have come from, to be kind of transparent and open, where we come from, what we had to deal with, and yet by the grace of God, we have overcome. You know, it glorifies God and it gives them courage. You know, in a, in a real funny way, I remember many years ago, my daughter was going to get her first real job. You know, not babysitting, but, you know, real job in a store, you know, and uh, running the cashier, like the cash machine. And, and she was she was quite young at the time, and she was like, oh, you know, Mom, I just don't know. I don't know if I can do this. And I said, honey, you see those people over there doing those machines? If they can do it, you can do it. I appealed to her pride a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. If they can do it, you can do it. I used to put myself through challenges sometimes and say, well, I'm reasonably intelligent. I should be able to figure out how to assemble a lawnmower. <laughs> so I did. I'm reasonably intelligent. I could figure out how to lay linoleum. So I did it. I just figured, I'm reasonably intelligent. Why not? Let's give it a shot. Okay? <laughs> I'm not the expert at those things, but I figured I could maybe figure it out, you know? There's somebody who is waiting for you to just encourage them just like that this week. Just to let them know. You know, you're doing a great job. You're, you are overcoming. I sent an encouraging note to someone the other day who, for a year, had been working towards getting a, a different job. For a year. Mm. Lots of red tape. Lots of challenges. And I sent him a note. And I said, just like the little engine that said, I think I can, I think I can. I said, you thought you could, and so you did. I'm proud of you. You know, That sort of thing means so much to somebody, just to know that somebody else believes in you, that you can do it. Hallelujah. Well, see, I know that God has made all of us to be overcomers. And I don't care what you're facing right now. I don't care what challenge you're facing right now. God intends for you to overcome because He's got good plans for you. He's got plans for your welfare, to give you a hope for the future. Hallelujah. He's got a good plan. It doesn't matter what happens out here. and You know, quit watching so much TV. Quit watching that stuff. Quit reading the papers so much. I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot of bad news. Let's just put our trust in God. And do what His Word, says, His Word tells us to do. Amen. Romans 15.4 says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. We've got these stories of Joshua, of David, of Moses, of Paul. We've got all these stories in here so we can be encouraged. I mean, we've, we've all been through challenges. And when you look at what so many people in the Bible have gone through, you know, horrible things, difficult things. But we have written not only the promises of God, but we've got stories we can go back to. And say, if David could do it, so can I. If Elijah could do it, so can I. If Ruth can do it, so can I. Amen. Because these were written for our encouragement and for our instruction. So that we might have hope. God wants to give you hope. Father, tonight we are so thankful that you have given us the scriptures. You have given us the Holy Spirit. That, Lord God, you are the God of all hope. And that, Lord God, even tonight, you want to renew our hope to trust in you again, to trust in your word. Father, we are so thankful for the good things you were doing. We heard wonderful reports tonight about what you've been up to, how you have come through for people. And, Lord, we, we just expect, Lord God, to have many more reports about you coming through. I ask you, Lord God, to make us sensitive that we would be dealers in hope this week. 
But there's somebody, Lord God, we can strengthen, we can encourage, someone we can add courage, add confidence to. Hallelujah. That we can be there for them. And then also, Lord God, that we can stir up ourselves. And if no one else is around us to encourage us, that God will be like David. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to remind myself of who you are, Lord God, and of what you have said. And the victory that we have had in times past. And what is this uncircumcised Philistine in front of me? What is this challenge in front of me? This too shall fail. This too shall fall apart. Because if God is for me and not against me, hallelujah. Who can be against me if God is for me? I will overcome and I will get the victor's crown. Because you are faithful to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.